Hi from Walksoft on the Croft. I think the last podcast left you suspended a wee bit. We had uh, just driven up to our new home here in the Hebrides, having never visited the islands nor seen the house that we were going to call home. And I think I'm going to leave you suspended there for a wee while. This podcast is a story of one of the animals that have been, have made their home here. It's also a memory of the spring, which at the moment it would be nice to have. So this is the story of Cuckoo. Spring was in the air here in the Hebrides, and if nothing else happened, I might have to start cleaning, perish the thought. Suddenly, I heard the outside door bang open and Andrew called from the hall, come and see. So to save making a whole arachnid subspecies homeless from behind the wash basin, I went down to see what he had found this time. It was already clear from the noise that Brenda the White Duck, as an aside, I should say I named her after one of Andrew's old girlfriends. They had a similar walk. Anyway, this duck was not happy being held under Andrew's arm and he handed her to me where I soothed her rather ruffled feathers. I knew she was up to something, he said, nodding at the now quiet duck. I followed her after feeding and she has a nest in the wood. I could hear a noise and we have our first duckling. In a real ta-da moment, he withdrew his hand from his pocket and as he opened it, a loud peeping could be heard and the fluff ball looked around. It had a tiny yellow beak, not the black bill I would have expected, and its feet were clawed, not webbed. We had a chick, not a duckling, and as Andrew and I looked at one another, we both said, Cuckoo. It's not unusual for a chicken to lay an egg, or more, in any nest that is empty, and clearly this is what had happened. Poor old Brenda had been sitting so well on her nest in the wood. And when we checked later, yes, there were 12 duck eggs, sadly all infertile, and the one broken eggshell from a hen's egg. However, Brenda knew an egg had been hatched and that baby was hers. So they were both ensconced in a house and run as the chick needed protection from the ravens and all the passing cats and life returned for a time to normal. Brenda, with a sole offspring, was an attentive mother for about a week. Then you could see she lost interest. She spent her days making duck eyes at any passing drake, often whilst absent-mindedly standing on Cuckoo, who seemed to take this as part of chickhood. He adored Brenda and did his best to keep out of her way. I did begin to see Brenda as having a fag hanging out of her beak and tattoos under her white feathers. She was really a bit of a tramp. Eric, our neighbour, became quite interested in Cuckoo's life and could often be found leaning over the run, observing the likelihood of early death for the chick. He'll never survive outside the run and Brenda will realise he's not hers and kill her. Him <laughs> were his generally encouraging remarks. Eric's predictions of oncoming doom were not just related to Cuckoo. They spread themselves to sheep, which were born to die, chickens, which were encouragement for vermin, 
any dog breed other than a collie was a waste of space. Even collies, which he thought okay, could often become sheep warriors if untrained. I don't mention our budgie or the rabbit, as they might bring on the apocalypse. Eric, whose tall, dark looks must have been a real babe magnet when younger, is now stooped and grey. That is, I suppose he's grey, as I've yet to see him without his woolly hat, which is always accessorised with orange overalls, courtesy of the oil rigs he used to work on. Although why he needs overalls when he rarely does anything outside remains a mystery. Despite Eric's warnings, Cuckoo developed feathers and we felt it was time he left the confines of the run and had the space to flap. The first time we let him and Brenda out, we all waited to see how things panned out. Not well, as Brenda flapped off down the croft with Cuckoo in hot pursuit and us after him. We got to the burn in time to fish him out of the water before we could drown. Brenda, completely unconcerned, flapped and bathed contentedly as we carried the waterlogged cuckoo back to the kitchen to dry by the range. We had a a batch of young hens to go out, so that night he went in with them, ready for another try at freedom in the morning. Although come the morning, ready to have the release, cuckoo was found blooded and battered. The young hens clearly did not see him as a chicken, so it's back again to the kitchen to recuperate. Now, I appreciate we should have listened to Eric and wrung his neck. Cuckoo's, that is, not Eric's. But we didn't give up. This was a young, healthy bird, albeit with slight species confusion. We had a large run empty by the kitchen door, so Cuckoo had a space that allowed him to see the chickens and the ducks without contact. This did not last long. However, Cuckoo soon got the bug for escaping. He was nearly adult now and the most handsome of cockerels. Dark bronze with copper neck feathers and green and gold tail flumes. He could really have won prizes. However, his fine looks did not stop him from getting infections and one morning I found him out of the run and cold and damp on the croft. The problem was he thought he was a duck. I suppose that should be Drake. And they sleep out at night impervious to the cold and the rain while chickens shelter in houses as they're neither cold nor waterproof. This time the infection necessitated a trip to the vet and antibiotics. The result of the treatment was that he became rather despondent and refused to move. Eric was keen to point out how poor Cuckoo was dying. Despite this, I rigged up a, a kind of strap arrangement out of ribbons and made a sort of sling, which I tied around poor Cuckoo's body. This meant I could walk round the croft holding him something like a shopping bag while allowing his feet to touch gently on the ground and hopefully encourage him to walk. The first time he hung rather limply, feet dragging across the grass, head down by his knees, like Eeyore. But the next day he was perking up and looking around. Admittedly he was holding his feet up, but I felt we were getting somewhere. I took him along the croft boundary and, of course, Eric had to come across from his potato earthing up. He did approve of potatoes, but don't get him started on blight. What have you done to him now, he called. New handbag design, I yelled back as I swung Cuckoo in the air, which he seemed to enjoy, so I swung him backwards and forwards all the way home. In the days to follow, he gradually gained the strength to walk unaided although I appreciate that the locals were coming by more often just to see this new notion of chicken in the bag. 
cuckoo picked up enough to have the run of the garden. The pugs mostly ignored him, except when he crowed. Then it frightened the life out of him. Mind you, the first time he did it, it frightened Cuckoo as well. In the morning, he would sit on the kitchen step, washing the dogs as they came and went to the garden, eating the odd treat I fed to him and enjoying the early sun rays. He did this by laying on his back with his feet in the air, doing his now famous something found in the gutter impersonation. Many was the time delivery men called to me about the dead chicken. I generally had to give him a nudge to let them know he was just sleeping. After another strange conversation about the dead chicken with the delivery driver, I did for one moment wonder if we were quite normal. Looking round, Andrew, having a serious conversation with a blind pug on the varieties of blueberries available. Another pug, for reasons of her own, was sitting bolt upright on the table with a chrysanthemum in her mouth. I was doing my best to fa- fashion a hat out of coloured paper for one of the cats, I suppose just to see if it was possible. And one of the old ewes was doing her best to remove the washing from the line. I didn't have to wander long. Cuckoo was fully grown now, and sadly the hormones started to kick in. The first we knew was one morning when an almighty quacking brought us to the kitchen door. It sounded like at least a pack of dogs was attacking the ducks, but no. We saw Cuckoo, who had rejected the safety of the garden and was in hot pursuit of one of the ducks. On seeing a full-grown cockerel, the object of his affection legged it and we chased. Duncan, the dominant drake, on seeing a threat to one of his ladies, took off after them. You may not know that a cockerel can outrun a drake, but not when on top of a seriously unhappy, and I must admit slightly confused, duck. And if Duncan had not received a well-thrown welly, it might have been the end of Cuckoo. However, we all limped back to the house intact with the duck seriously complaining to Duncan, who by now must have been considering a monastic life, having been on the receiving end of a well-thrown boot. This unfortunate episode only seemed to inflame Cuckoo, who took every opportunity to pounce on any passing duck and it became a daily routine to gather him up from where he had once again been beaten up by Duncan. The hens he simply ignored, even when they strutted past this obviously handsome cockerel. It confused them, but did mean he got a quick going over by Trevor the cockerel. We tried to contain Cuckoo in the garden, but daily he was finding new and more elusive ways to escape. We always brought him in, especially as the nights got colder, and tucked him into his house. However, one cold, frosty morning, he was not to be found. In our hearts, we knew where he would be. We found him, dead and cold, where the ducks sleep at night. They had already moved down the croft for a morning bath, but by the dry areas, he seemed to have settled down amongst them in the night. And just maybe, for a few hours... He felt accepted. We so hoped he had. We buried him where we found him, and each evening I watched the ducks come up the croft and settle for the night where he now lies. In his short life, his spirit shone through, and we still miss him. Thanks for listening. <laughs>